So how many feel excited about this Christmas? Uh, how many of you think Christmas comes to a fast now, lately? <laughs> I mean, it's hardly we've been put down the tree last, last year and we are ready to put that up back again. Right? You know, some of these trailer parks, they have these lights outside, the trailer parks, they never take out the lights, they just switch it on. <laughs> so I think our Christmas decoration should be like, you know, fix it and forget it, you know, just turn it on. But it's good, good, good. But I think we are excited about the year that has been here. 2017 has been an amazing year. I believe that it's been a very prophetic year. A uh, lot of prophecies, a lot of end-time prophecies have come to pass in 2017, right? So you'll say, but nothing major I cannot see. But you know, the church has seen major events happen in 2017. So we are actually transitioning into the into the the end time season of the church and of the world. So it's going to be a great explosion of God's glory upon the earth before, before the coming of the Lord. That's I strongly believe because everything is happening. Isn't it beautiful that in 2017 is when U.S. recognizes Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. The complete, the, there is a missing last link of 2017. Remember we talked about uh, one of the messages we took, uh, it's there on the website called Living in Prophetic Times, the Science of the Times. You should listen to it. A lot of prophecies has come to pass and 2017 becomes the final uh, prophecy that God said that I will restore Israel in the land and the fullness of the Gentiles is coming to, to fullness. And that's when God turns his attention to the remnant of Israel. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 11, says, when, and so Israel, all of Israel will be saved. And he's talking about the remnant. God is going to turn towards the remnant and save all of them because they will see Yeshua as the Son of God. Amen? And are you all excited? And the time of the Gentiles is coming to a close. So, so the last big harvest of the Gentiles, which is the church, right? I mean, the, Gent the, church, is, uh, the church is predominantly a Gentile church, right? I mean, we do have... Jewish believers, but predominantly a Gentile church. So, but in, in, in the body of Jesus Christ, there is no Jew or Gentile. We are all the body of Jesus Christ. But it's predominantly drawn out of across the sea. When Jesus was rejected in uh, Ju Judah and in Capernaum, he went across the sea. And a lot of the Gentiles, and he went to Samaria, he went, all the Gentiles started following him. You know, which is a picture of what Jesus was going to do after resurrection. The church was drawn from the Gentile church. So which is happening and I think you're going to see a great harvest into the church. You will see a lot of prosperity. You'll see a lot of wealth coming into the body of Jesus Christ for a great harvest that is going to come. Very prophetically I feel. I see a lot of prosperity coming into believers' lives. Why? Because there's going to be a purpose. Because you're going to start financing the work of the kingdom for a great harvest that is going to come before Jesus raptures all of us and the coming of the Lord is going to be here. Exciting. I know we got very short time. Milu's like very clear. Don't speak more than 20 minutes today, okay? <laughs> so I'm going to make this. I'm going to cut it short. and It's a one and a half hour message. I'm going to cut it short to 20 minutes. So are you all ready to take it? Yes. Can you take it? Okay, I'm going to fast forward it. I'm going to zoom through it at 20, 25 minutes. Push it to 30, but I won't exceed 30, okay? <laughs> so Milu said, no, 20, 20. You're going to stick up 20, okay? The title of the message is Born a king. Born a king. Let me go to a very interesting passage. I know it's Christmas time, but let's go to the, during the time of Jesus' death. A very interesting conversation that Jesus has with, of all the persons, Pilate. And look at the conversation that he has. And I want you to go to John chapter 18. John chapter 18, verses 28. I'm going to read fast and we'll just quickly cover the main point. John chapter 18 Verses 28 to 38. Okay. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium. And it was early morning. But they themselves would not go into the praetorium. Lest they should be defiled. But they might eat the Passover. The pilot went out to them and said. What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to them. If he was an evildoer. We would have not delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said. You take him and judge him according to your own law. Therefore, the Jews said, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. So now they are taking him to Pilate. And all Pilate wants to know is, what is the accusation? Because he is now standing as a judge. What's the accusation? What's the accusation? 
So guess what accusation they told him. They can't tell him that Jesus told that he is the son of God. That doesn't make any sense to a Roman law. What difference it makes? You're a son of God, son of Zeus, son, son of Jupiter, who cares? So you guess what accusation they told uh, Pilate about Jesus? Because they want Jesus to be put to death. So they need to give a valid legal accusation. So look at the accusation. The Pilate and when Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, what? Are you the king of the Jews? Guess what? Who told him that he's, he's the king of the Jews? The Jews. Why? Because that is treason against Caesar. Got it? I mean, there's no point telling him that Jesus said he's the son of God. They knew what to use against Jesus before Pilate. So legally, they're bringing a very legal accusation against Jesus. He said, he said he's the king of the Jews. So Pilate comes and repeats the same question to Jesus. He said, are you the king of the Jews? Wow, look at Jesus' response. This is very powerful. Jesus answered him and said, are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? Jesus is so cool. He's like, are you telling this? Are you, did you kind of... If you, say, if you say that I am the king of the Jews, guess what? You are ready to get saved. <laughs> I mean, when you say you are the king of the Jews, in, in faith, that, that's salvation. That's salvation. So Jesus is saying, hold it. Are you getting, to get, are you getting, are you getting ready to be saved? Are you telling this about, about yourself or are you, did somebody else tell you about this? So Pilate, look at his response. He so missed it. He could have got saved. He could have saw, if he only knew, for eternity he will be thinking about this. If only if I knew. Okay, okay, say, are you speaking of this about yourself or did others tell you concerning me? Jesus answered, Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Oh, I wish he would have said because God was going to make the Jew and the Gentile all part of the nation of Abraham. Isn't it? In Christ Jesus, we all are Jew now, right? We are, we are all, uh, we are all, what, what's the word? That which is cut off and planted? What is that word? Botanical word. Not transplanted. Grafted. We are all be grafted into this tree of Israel. Hallelujah. So am I a Jew? Your, your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you to me. What have you done? Now Jesus answered this question. What's his answer? My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom is of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. That brought up a big problem. Now if you're being standing in accusation of being called a king, the last thing you should be talking about is <laughs> you don't go and tell let's talk about a kingdom no hold it you are just going to be accused that you are going to be a king against the violation of the Roman law that Caesar is the only king you don't talk about kingdoms so the moment he used the word kingdom Pilate very sharp he's a judicial guy judicial mind he doesn't care about all the hanky-panky theology uh, from here, from there. He doesn't care all that. Look at his question. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Because he doesn't care. You're the king of the Jews, king of the Indians, king of the Chinese, because Rome controls the world. Whose king are you? So are you a king then? Answer the question. Look at Jesus' response. Jesus answered. Look at this powerful Christmas. This is the Christmas story out there. You say, rightly, it's in italics, you say that I am a king. Wow. This is Jesus' own words. He says, I am a king. How many people are in his kingdom, by the way, at this point of time? How many people are in, this king, in his kingdom at this point of time? No one. Zilch. There is not one guy, one person in the kingdom of Jesus right now. In the world. There's not one person. But yet Jesus says what? I am a king. Powerful. Look at the next, next, question, next, next statement. For this cause I came into the world. Wow. 
when somebody says i came into the world what does that imply he wasn't here that means he preexisted before he came isn't it if i say tomorrow i'm coming to dallas means what okay if i say tomorrow i'll materialize in dallas <laughs> That's different. If I say I came to Dallas, means I pre-existed somewhere else before this event, isn't it? So the word "came" implies divinity, because he's not saying I came from India or I came from Europe. I'm saying I came into the world. That means you were somewhere outside this world somewhere. So suddenly you are who? You are God. I came into this world but he came into the world to be what for this cause means what he came into the world to be to be king remember look what he said you rightly say i am a king for this cause i came into the world for this cause means which cause to be a king so he came to be a king into the world like look at the next word for this cause i came into the world that i should for this cause i was born and for this cause i came into the world jesus two words for this cause i was born how many people are born kings no one is born king everybody is born a prince right because a king is always in on the throne or somebody is born as a general he makes his way up and he is destined to be a king nobody is ever born a king jesus was born a king and then he came to be a king so he talks about both he talks about his divinity and he talks about his humanity that he was born into the world as a king powerful i look at finally what he says for this cause i came into the world that i should bear witness to the truth everyone who is of the truth hears my voice and what is the truth pilot asked and when he had said this he didn't wait for the answer because if he jesus if he had waited for the answer he would have told what the truth is and what is the truth what is the truth the truth is Jesus came to bear witness to the truth that I Jesus has a kingdom and I I'm going to have a big kingdom and you and I can be part of the kingdom by my righteousness not your righteousness make sense and my blood will wash you clean and I will make you a king right so he says okay so now here is a problem here so have we settled this that jesus became came into the world to be a king in jesus own words for this reason i came into this world okay now let's go back to his birth of jesus christ quickly let's go to matthew chapter 2 let's go to matthew chapter 2 matthew chapter 2 then after jesus was born in bethlehem of judea in the days of herod the king behold wise men from the east came to jerusalem saying where is he who has been born king of the jews so he was born king okay let's look at what he says so in the days of herod the king wise men came saying where is born the king in the days of another king if news comes a king is born in the kingdom is that good news or bad news <laughs> it is not good news in the days of an existing king there is another king that is born it's not good news at all you know there's a there's a there's a lion king have you seen the lion king thing okay there is a song in that in the jungle a mighty jungle the lion sleeps tonight in the jungle the mighty jungle the lion sleeps tonight now somebody can sing the rest of it <laughs> why who is singing the song see all the animals are singing the song the lion sleeps tonight so guess what's what's what what does that what does that imply for the animals what's that freedom they don't have to worry right they are at peace because the lion is sleeping tonight you know for 2000 years satan and his kingdom were singing that song <laughs> in the jungle the mighty jungle there's no king in the land he was free to roam the land so when you say silent night holy night it was silent for the for the enemy it was peaceful all across this world he was having a field day that is one of the reasons why satan on the mount of on temptation he took him up to a high mountain and said behold i give you all the kingdoms for it has been delivered to me and i will give it to whoever i wish if only you will worship me he knew what jesus came here for 
He didn't come here to just be a savior or to be a nice guy. He was on kingdom assignment. <coughs> Satan knew it. His peace was shattered one Christmas night. It was no more. There is no lion in the land. The king was born. You know what happened? When Jesus was born for two years, Herod didn't know Jesus was in the land. How do you know that? Look at verse this. Verse 16. Matthew chapter 2 verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem in all the districts from two years uh, over and under, uh, old and under, according to the time which was determined from the wise. That it might be fulfilled by the... Look at He killed all the people, all the children of two years. Why? Because the wise men had told him, according to the time, the wise men had told him when he met that two years back in your land, a king was born. For two years, Herod didn't know a king was in the land. Think about it. Two years, king was in the land. And what is the prophecy? Herod asked the wise people, where was this king supposed to be born? And they referred to Micah and verse 6. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are you not the least among the rulers of Judah? For out of you shall come a ruler. See, not a savior. See, Jesus' primary assignment to come into the world is in Jesus' own mouth. And now validated by prophecy is, out of Bethlehem shall come a who? A ruler. See, that is threatening to an existing ruler of the world. Ruler. Out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Shepherd is a very, a Jewish word for kingship. David as a shepherd, he is going to shepherd. That means there's going to be a different shepherd. Wow. So he was born a king. He was born a king. He was born a king. Okay. So Jesus was born a king. So the implication is, and I'm not going to cover a lot of the points. So they come and the Jews come. And they said, where is he born, the king of the Jews? So that we may come and worship him. Whoever uses such language to an earthly king. Do you ever hear that word? Let's go and see the king so that we can worship him. Worship. No man ever worships a human king. So they knew that this is not a human king. It is the God who became king. That is why Herod knew immediately that this is referring to Christ. In Christ, the meaning in Hebrew is Messiah. Means a king who was prophesied in the Jewish lineage who would be a king and who would be a God king. Perfect. So only one Messiah can be a God king. And he came. Amen. Now let's go back to quickly. So the first message that came to Mary. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. 1. Luke chapter 1. Quickly. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. So the first prophecy to Mary about the, her birth. And look at what Ma uh, uh, the, uh, Gabriel, uh, the angel Gabriel told Mary. Rejoice, highly favored. Luke chapter 1 verse 28. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, he was... She was troubled considering the manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And you, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Correct? So the, the, so the focus should be here that he will save his people. Isn't it? Right? That's what we thought would she be the first primary purpose that Jesus came here for. Right? But look at how the angel says. For, he shall, for you shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great and he'll be called son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne. See, the assignment is he is going to be a king. He is going to get the throne of your father David. Look at the next verse. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Talk about a kingdom that never succeeds. <laughs> Oh, I, how many politicians who love that verse? Of, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the kingdom that will never end. Of a, of a presidency that never ends. I am sure Putin knows that. <laughs> you know, what, what will man do for a kingdom that never ends? 
But can you know, if, can you believe if it's, if it's a kingdom that is good and there is no concern in ever in your mind that will ever end? Isn't that cool? Jesus came for a kingdom. So when did that kingdom start? When did that kingdom start? The kingdom can only start with the appearance of the of the king. So isn't that so? When did John started preaching the kingdom of God is at hand? Do you know when? When did he start preaching the kingdom of God is at hand? He started preaching the moment, the moment, the time of Jesus' baptism. The moment he, Jesus appeared in the land as a full-grown man is when John started preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. Makes sense? How can you preach the kingdom of God is at hand when the king is not around? You see, have you seen uh, honeybees, right? You take the queen out of the honeybee and put it around somewhere else, guess what happens? Where does the kingdom move? Wherever she is. Have you seen that? You actually, you know how they divide honeybee hives, right? Have you tried to divide a honeybee hive with just one queen? Impossible. You cannot divide a honeybee hive with just one queen. They always will get a queen, and but they want to divide the hive because this queen needs to have more workers, right? So they will take this one queen, put it in one thing, and then take a few workers and put it there. And guess what? It will start driving all the bees into the queen. The king is in the land. The moment the king was in the land, John started preaching, the kingdom of God is at hand. Why? The king is in the land. The king is in the land. Let's go quickly. So we now we know that Jesus is the king. King of his kingdom that reigns that never end. It's interesting. And just a side note. Here it says the, the kingdom... Or the office kingdom, it shall never end. The first time the word kingdom is used in, in the Bible refers to not God's kingdom, refers to the kingdom of a man called Nimrod, which is a picture of the Antichrist. He said, this is what it says of his kingdom. And this was the beginning of his kingdom. You know, and God was telling me, and the Holy Spirit was telling me, he said, Anil, the beginning of Satan's kingdom is marked. And so is its end. But the end of Jesus' kingdom is never mentioned because it will never end. Satan's kingdom has a beginning. Satan's kingdom has an end. Does God's kingdom have a beginning? It's pre-existent. And God's kingdom have an end? It will never end. Isn't that beautiful? Something that has a beginning will have an end. But God's kingdom never had a beginning. It was existing when the care, where the king is, that's where the kingdom is. Okay. So now comes the problem. So Jesus is a king in this world. We understood that. Makes sense to me. So he has to come. But he is now going to establish a kingdom, right? So what is he a king of? Okay, so if I say, this, this, this man is the king of gorillas. Okay? So what does that mean? What does this kingdom contain? Gorillas. So everybody in his kingdom is gorillas. And he is the king gorilla. Correct? Correct? So, so he says, if... Somebody is the king of rock and roll. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means he's the best rock and roller that ever is. Elvis Presley, right? King of rock and roll? Okay. So if, if you say you're king of something, that means you uh, exemplify the highest of that so everybody else is part of So in your kingdom, everybody is this. So if I say he is the president of America, do I have to ask him whether he is an American? No. So what about the nation that he rules over? Are they all Americans? Right? So he is a president of America. That means he is the chief American. Right? He is a chief American officer. So when he says he is a king. So who is Jesus? What is Jesus a king of? So if you search through the Bible. There are only four mentions of what Jesus is a king of. Right? You know, he's a savior, he's God, he's Elohim, he's a mighty God. He's a... But as a king, what is he a king of? Okay, so because if you can tell me what he's a king of, it will tell you something about his? Cool. Do you want to know what his kingdom is about? Right? Hold it. You guys got it, right? What is his kingdom of? Okay, he's a kingdom of kings, but that I agree. But 
what is a king of? Yes, he is a kingdom of kings. So number one, it's a king. He is. It's a kingdom of kings. Isn't that a very unique kingdom where everybody in the kingdom is a king? Hold it. So can you admit this is a very unique kingdom where everybody in the king is a king? King, right? You don't have too many kingdoms where everyone is a king. I don't think there's ever existed in the history of mankind where a kingdom is made of all kings. What a concept! What a concept of a. That is why he is called. Got it. So that title now makes logic, right? Because it's not a oh theological. I feel so good about this King of Kings. Why let's worship him, King of Kings? He's King of Kings, and who are you? I am just a wretched sinner. Hold it. Doesn't connect. Doesn't connect. Correct? You see the thing? It's very important to know that if he is a king of kings, that all of his kingdom is full of kings. Do you agree that? Is it settled in your heart that you, that kingdom is full of kings? Okay. Number one. Number two. He says he is a king of glory. Psalms chapter twenty-four. Who is this king of glory? Glory means glory means has to do with righteousness. That means glory means good opinion. How do you know God, glory means good opinion? So Jesus used an example, and think about this. I'm telling you, th- y'all guys need to get this in your head, because when you see the word glory, glory, glory in the Bible, we always think of a uh, hundred thousand watts of soft, warm, ambient yellow light. <laughs> you know, that's how you think about glory. You know, warm, oozy, busy light around people or ethereal something. No, no, no. Jesus is very practical about glory. He said. When you do your charitable deeds before men, right? You receive your glory from men, and they have had their reward. So Jesus defines glory as what? What? Others' good opinion. So when Jesus says he is the King of Glory, means what? He is the King of all good opinion. Say good opinion. So, whose opinion is the most important in the world? God's opinion about you. If God thinks you are the best thing since sliced bread, I mean that's such a stupid example. But I'm saying is, I don't know why people use that word. But what sliced bread got to do with the best thing? You know, there are so many better things than sliced bread, right? Uh, but I'm saying is so good. That means he is the king of glory. That means he's got the best opinion of all. He that means of all the good opinion of all the people, Jesus is the king. That's why the father's voice at his baptism said, "What? This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased." That's called glory. See, glory is not light shining on Jesus. It's that God's opinion about Jesus. That is why in John chapter seventeen, Jesus said, "The same glory that the Father has of me, I have given it to." You. That means the father has the same good opinion about you that he has about me. Think about it. So that qualifies for the second thing. You are a kingdom of kings, which settled. Number two, you are the kingdom of means what? All of the people in his kingdom have the same glory that Jesus has. That means the same good opinion of that the father has of Jesus. All the people in his kingdom, the father has the same good opinion about them. Isn't that cool? Is that cool? Look at the concept, man. Hey, what a deal! What a deal! That means you don't have to earn this, right? Okay. This is getting more exciting. I mean, you will be you will be so blessed when I say the next one. Then the Bible says he's called the he's he's a king after the order of he's a priest after the order of. Melchizedek, or translated, King of Righteousness, King of Peace. Where do we know that? It's in Hebrews chapter seven. I don't. You don't have to go there. Paul explains that. Write it down. Hebrews chapter seven. Melchizedek. Melech means king. Melech means king. Remember Abimelech. 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 The lion sleeps tonight. <laughs> Abimelech means Abi the king. Abimelech is the king. The king sleeps tonight. You know Abimelech. Abimelech. Melech means king. Got it? Melk Melech Zedek. Zedek means righteousness. So Melchizedek, who was this person that appeared to Abraham, was called Melchizedek. Means king of righteousness. Correct? And he's also called king of Salem, which is called Jerusalem right now. That city drew his name from this place called Salem. Salem means what? Come on, what does Salem means? 
Shalom, Shalom, Peace. So he has two titles, this man called Melchizedek, supernatural man, just type of Jesus. He said he's the king of righteousness and he's the king of peace. So now Jesus has the second title that he's a king of righteousness first. And he's second, a king of peace. So if he's a king of righteousness, that means everybody in his kingdom is what? Righteous. Wow. That means all of you are righteous. Because he cannot be a king of a kingdom that is not righteous. Then he's not part of that kingdom. That means you're not part of that kingdom. So you are all righteous. Second, you're king of peace. That means what? Every to you in that kingdom is constantly what? Peace. So that is why Paul said, this is what he says. The kingdom of God, Romans chapter 14 verse 17. Write it down. Don't go to it. Romans chapter 14 verse 17 says, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. He's talking about the religious eating and drinking. Like, I don't, I don't, you know what? I don't eat vegetables. I eat only good food. You know, I, I, I follow fasting. I eat that. A lot of religion is associated with eating and drinking. Did you notice that? In all the religions, Islam, Hinduism, uh, uh, in Christianity, eating. There's a lot of eating involved. Oh, I, I, I fast from this time, from the land. I don't eat. And Paul handles that in Romans chapter 14. And this is how he concludes. He says, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. That means you cannot get into the kingdom by eating and drinking your way in. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Look at it. Righteousness. That means you cannot get into the kingdom unless you are righteous. So he starts righteousness first. So righteousness, what, what happens automatically? If you are righteous and you are part of the kingdom, peace. And then you have joy in the Holy Ghost, right? You cannot get into this kingdom unless you are righteous. Okay, so now Jesus has a problem. I'm going to sort this logically very hard. I hope you understand this. Here's a king who's arrived on the earth. He's perfectly righteous. He's a king of righteous. But Proverbs says a very interesting concept. Proverbs says a king's... Uh, uh, read Proverbs chapter 30 verse uh, 31. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 30 verse 31. I want you to go there to understand... Uh, how God solves a problem or how he builds a kingdom. Proverbs chapter 30 verse 31. There are four things, there are three things that are majestic in pace. There are four that are stately in walk. A lion which is mighty among beasts and does not turn away from any. A greyhound, a male goat, also a king whose troops are with him. A king is only as powerful, as honored as the people with him. If he has no king people in his kingdom, what is the point of being a king? Duh. What's the point? I mean, he's a, I mean, that is why you see many of these dictators when they are, when the days of their glorification, what do they do? Do they stand alone? Oh, they collect and have this huge assembly. You see these dictators, they'll have this huge parades and they'll have like, you know, at least a million people dressed up in like North Korea. If you see North Korea videos, I mean, why? Because he, his honor comes in the people that stand before him. Right? Let's go to uh, Proverbs chapter 14 verse 28. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 28. F 14 verses 28. It says, In a multitude of people is a king's honor, but in the lack of people is the downfall of a prince. So Jesus comes to this earth, he is a king, but has no people in his kingdom. Because the qualification for being into the kingdom means he has to be perfectly righteous. He cannot be your king. I'm sorry. I mean, your guys are wicked. <laughs> God, I mean, did you sin? Did you sin? Sorry, cannot get it. So that is the problem that Jesus had when he spoke to who? No, John chapter 3. Do you know John chapter 3? Let's go to John chapter 3 quick. I'm going to... Try to break this down for you so you understand how big privilege what Jesus did for us. John chapter 3. John chapter 3, look at what Jesus said. John chapter 3, verse 3. See, if you ever remember John chapter 3, remember John chapter 3, verse 3. Okay. So Jesus is, Nicodemus comes flattering Jesus. This is what Nicodemus says this. He's genuine, but he's also flattering. But he's genuine to a lot extent. He says, Rabbi, Nobody can do the things that you do unless God is with them. So he calls him a rabbi. 
and he says that nobody can do the things that you can do unless God is with them implying that a man can do the things that you can do that means you are doing something special so Jesus crashes him down completely and says that the answer does not match the quest the statement the answer says what because Jesus knows the intent of Nicodemus heart Nicodemus is thinking this is what he's thinking he's saying if this rabbi can do this such great signs there's something special about this rabbi that means I can also do the same things that is why the rich man came to Jesus and asked the same question that this Nicodemus asked but in a very more simple crude way what must I do to do eternal life see because they are all thinking that they are good enough to get into the kingdom of God by doing something Jesus hits him at the point and says this powerfully look at what he says to his response to a simple simple statement that rabbi nobody can do the things that you do unless god is with them so what's so bad about that problem that's a simple statement look at jesus response because in this response is the reason of how tough it is to get into this kingdom you think citizenship of united states is tough try with the kingdom of god i know it's hard <laughs> you know we came through the naturalization way to become a citizenship it's a long way you have to qualify you need to be highly specialized labor you need to come here you need to have a job you have to pay higher paying job then you have to, the employer has to go through hoops to qualify there are not enough citizens for this job and then they'll make you wait at the back of the line for god knows how many years and finally they will select a you know it's so much easier to become a citizenship in the united states by being born <laughs> you know by being born if you're born you know something and this is so true the holy spirit was telling me this anand is saying anand naturalized citizens their citizenship can be revoked but citizens who are born into the country their citizenship can never be revoked do you get the spiritual principle this is what jesus said nicodemus look at what jesus said to nicodemus assuredly i say to you and he says amen amen this is god saying amen amen god doesn't have to swear brothers and sisters he's almost swearing he said most assuredly amen 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 so i'm telling you i'm telling you i say to you unless you are born again you cannot enter the kingdom of god wow what 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 So it's a it's a great deal. Jesus is coming to set up a kingdom, but nobody can get into this kingdom unless they are born again. How can you be born again? How do you born again? How do you how do you who can be born again? Who can be born again? How does that even happen? How can you be born again? You're already born. That means you say he's telling Nicodemus there is nothing. Read my lips. There is nothing you can do. in this world to qualify yourself to get into my kingdom there's nothing there's nothing but yet jesus says if you believe that god sent his son and whoever believes in him shall not perish god says he shall have eternal life he will be born into the kingdom isn't that so cool Now, now we are born. Guess what? So, uh, what are we born now? We are born righteous. Now, let me question. Isn't that a comfort fact? If you cannot lose your citizenship just because you are born in it, let me ask you a question. Do you wake up every day in the morning trying to be an American? Think about it. Do you wake up in the morning every day trying to be an American? How many of you will wake up in the morning saying that today I need to be an American? How many Christians wake up in the morning trying to be righteous? Hey, relax. You are born into the kingdom. You are born into the kingdom. You are born righteous. You are born righteous. And Jesus said, "I have come into the world to bear witness to that truth." And he was of the truth. Here's my voice. And now you know. Pilate asked them a question. What is the truth? 
How many of you know Pilate asked that question and didn't wait to listen to their answer? Do you know? You know, Jesus answered that question at the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 1. And you want to read that? You want to read that? Let's read that. I want you to go to Revelation chapter 1. And this is what he says. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. John, Revelation chapter 1, verses 4. Grace to you and peace from him. Now this is the Lord Jesus speaking. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Remember he said, I have come to bear witness to the truth. Now Jesus is going to bear witness to the truth that Pilate wanted to hear about, right? But you get to hear this because what Jesus told Pilate, he who is of the truth will hear my voice. So Pilate was not of his truth, so wouldn't want to hear the voice. Is that cool? But you are of the truth and therefore today Jesus knows about it. 2,000 years later, in this day, in a small life team, in a group in Texas, Carrollton, my people will listen to the truth. And what is the truth? Look at what it says. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. He's now telling you what? Who are you? You are king. You are kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. For how long has he made you king? How long has he made you king? Come on, how long? How long has he washed you from your sins? How long will you stay an American? I don't know. <laughs> but how long will you stay in the kingdom of God? An everlasting kingdom. That shall never end. Are you happy to be a king of righteousness? Doesn't make sense? Doesn't make sense? I'm going to close. You know, Satan knew that this was a kingdom deal. That's why he said, I'll offer you all the kingdoms. Jesus didn't take it. Didn't take it. Didn't take it. You know, James and John, his mom came to Jesus and said, Make my son sit on your left and right hand. Because they know they were talking about what? He's not saying, in your living room in Capernaum, I want you to sit on the left and the right side. No, they knew he was a king. Amen? So James and John and his, their mothers knew that Jesus is our kingdom. Then the thief on the cross, look at his dialogue. What did he say? Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. The thief on the cross knew that he was a king. And that got him saved. Think about that revelation that he is a king can do to you. It can translate you into the kingdom and which you already are. Look at this. You know the children, when he entered Jerusalem, he said, behold Zion, your king comes to you on a donkey. The, the rulers didn't accept him, but the little children and the crowd who followed him cried out what? Behold the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They knew he was a king. You know, of all the things, when Jesus first met the first disciple, Nathaniel, the first words out of his mouth, Rabbi, this is how he used, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. You are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. And let me close with this. But Jesus said finally, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, the gospel of this kingdom will be preached in all the world. God says, now you go and preach this gospel. That in my kingdom, they will be righteous completely. They'll be part of, they'll be a king of, they'll be a king forever. They will have my glory forever. And they will have my peace forever. Isn't that good? He's a king of kings. He's a king of righteousness. He's the king of peace. And he's the king of glory. Hallelujah. And I want you to close with uh, uh, Psalms chapter... 149. Let's read Psalms 149. Psalms 149. This is the second last chapter in, 
in the Bible, in Psalms. Psalms 149. He says, Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, and His praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in the Maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their King. So you know what? We have a King right now. And look at what he says. When you're, when you're troubled in your night, right? Look at what he says. Verse 5. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Remember? Now we can relax because we have good opinion of God. God has a good opinion of God. The saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Are you worried when you go to sleep? And you're worried? Say, sing aloud. Why? Let the high praises of God be on their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people, to bind their kings with chains and the nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment. This honor they have all the saints. You know, the king has declared judgment for us. He says, now you on your bed declare this judgment on your enemies. He says, you declare it's been written. My king has defeated the battle and I will declare. You know, this is what... Uh, Micah 4 9 says why, why do you cry so aloud is there no king in your midst see now as the church this is what Jesus says all of heaven says to the church he says why do you cry is there no king in your midst I can understand before Jesus came but why do you cry don't you have a king in your midst that is the reason the first thing that Jesus said after resurrected he went and told Mary Magdalene what what is the first thing that he said to Mary Magdalene? Why do you weep? He's saying what Micah is saying. Why do you cry? Is there no king in your midst? See, today as believers, there is no reason. Seriously, there is no reason for us to cry. Because you have a king in your midst. And the, you know when Balaam was ready, getting ready to curse Israel? This is the words that came into Balaam's mouth. He says, tell them, the shout of the king is in the midst of my people. Hallelujah. Remember this. Your shout of the king is in your midst. You have a king in your midst. And you can execute judgment because the king has already declared the decree. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want you to go and read Psalms chapter 45, which is a uh, psalm of the king. It's so much. I mean, there's so much stuff on the king. But I'm telling you, this is a, you are a kingdom of kings. Jesus was born a king so that you can be a king in his kingdom. He's a king of righteousness because you are a king of righteousness forever. He's a king of glory because you are a king of glory forever. You are a king that will never, his kingdom that will never end because you are in this kingdom which will never end forever. Is that good? Can we rejoice that because he is a king, he, I am a king. Because he is righteous, I am righteous. Because he is peace, therefore I am at peace. And I want you to close. I want to close with this Isaiah chapter sixty-six. He says, "The, the my peace will flow, come to you like a river, and the glory of Gentiles like a flowing stream." How beautiful! He says, "Because you are righteous and you are in my kingdom." My peace will come to you like a river. Every day this peace will continue to overflow you. It cannot stop. But your glory of the Gentiles will come to you like a flowing stream. Which is bigger? Stream or river? Which is big? Stream or river? River. So peace will come to you every day like a river. You cannot stop it. Right? But the glory of the Gentiles will come to you like a stream. What is the glory of the Gentiles? What is the glory of the Gentiles? Remember what Jesus said. These things the Gentiles seek after shall be added to you, but you seek the righteousness of the kingdom, his righteousness, because now we are made righteous in Jesus, guess what? The glory of the Gentiles will come to you like a flowing stream every day in 2018. Are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to receive it? Because you are part of the kingdom, guess what? The earth has to respond and bear its fruits to the sons of the kingdom. This is what John, Paul, Paul said, the earth is groaning for the manifestations of the sons of God. Why? It's hungering to produce its fruits to the sons of God. It's, can, you imagine, can you imagine a pregnant woman that does not want to, that has a baby that does not drink milk? How much it pains the woman with the uh, milk in her breast. Have you noticed that? It has to 
relieve the breast of that milk because it wants to give this milk but there is no child who will receive it but that problem is solved here in Carrollton, Texas there is a group that is willing to receive the glory of the Gentiles are you ready? because you are part of the kingdom of God and you are righteous and therefore the glory of the Gentiles has written written by God in Isaiah chapter 66 shall come to you like a flowing stream I'm telling you I'm telling you prophetically there will be so much wealth that will come into the believer's life in 2018 for the purpose of the kingdom because you are part of this kingdom. You will start receiving it. You will have so much money coming. You don't have places to give this money out. Are you ready to receive it? Not because of what you did. Because you were born a king. Hallelujah. You have more privileges than somebody who has been naturalized into this country. You were just across the border and you were born here. <laughs> I'll take that privilege anytime. I don't have to boast in my H1B status that brought me here. I don't have to boast in my green card. I can just say I was born into this kingdom. Hallelujah. And I'll receive it. And this is what the Lord says. You believe that he's a king? It's good news for you. Therefore the lion doesn't sleep tonight. <laughs> in the jungle, the mighty jungle. The lion doesn't sleep. The lion is alive in the land. He's a king of Zion. And he roars. And Satan cannot dominate this world anymore. That peace was shattered for him. And there is no silent night anymore in his domain. Hallelujah. Are you glad? That in one day, on, on the day of Passover, a lamb that died on the cross, all of silence in heaven was broken. And Isaiah 66 talks about it. In one day. You know, I, and I'll close with this. I'm so sorry. I'm so excited. I just feel the power of the Spirit so strong. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think this is such a prophetic power here. I, I think there are people here who have been waiting for birthing of their dreams. Oh, hallelujah. Birthing has been waiting for years. When is my baby going to come? When my baby going to be birthed? And God says, in one day, before the pain came, Zion bore more children than the woman who was barren. In one day, in one day, in one day when Jesus died, in one day, that king did not have one person in his kingdom because there was none righteous in the world. But in that one day, when his precious blood washed us completely clean, billions and millions of people from Abraham, Isaac, Abel, all rushed in into the kingdom as sons and kings of the Most High God. And in one day, Zion produced more children than all the women that was ever there. And so was the prophecy fulfilled that out of your bosom shall come kings that he said to Jacob. And out of Abraham shall come descendants as multitude as the sand of the sea. Today we are seeing that. And Lord says, all your dreams that you waited for, but you are trying to earn it, that you are meriting it, that you are waiting on your righteousness to get it for you. I am telling you, relax and chill out and receive by inheritance what you couldn't earn by your works, says the Lord today. Father, we receive it, O oh Master. Let's just lift our hands. Hallelujah. Just receive. Just say, our Father God, Father God, I receive this. I receive all what you planned and bought for me in Christ Jesus. The inheritance that you have stored up for me as a king. Hallelujah. What is a, what is a king which has no inheritance? What's a king that doesn't have a kingdom? What's a king that doesn't have a dominion? Lord, you have not made us kings that don't have power. You have made us kings with written decrees that you have signed and delivered and bequeathed to us. And the Lord says, I have bequeathed you my peace. And that peace no one can take away. And therefore, because your peace is to me like a river, therefore the glory of the Gentiles shall come to me like a flowing stream. All my needs shall be met. All my desires shall be given to me. All my clothing, my food, my jobs, my peace of my children, my education, my wealth, my jobs, my everything, all of this shall be added to me, says the Lord. I receive it. Now go ahead and receive it. The Lord says this this stream is big and bold and it's coming to you. But it's not reached you because you're not willing to receive the peace. 
Let the peace go before you. Know that you are a king. Know that you are righteous because you are born into this kingdom. Not because of you wake up thinking you want to be righteous. Receive it because the king is in your midst. The shout of the king is in your midst. Are you suffering from health challenges? The Lord says, now, this time, declare it cancelled and nullified in Jesus' name. I cancel and nullify every sickness and every affliction in the bodies of the people out here in Jesus' name. In the decree of the King Jesus. Now put your hand on the places that you have an affliction. Right now, right now. Go ahead and put your hand in the places that you have an affliction. In the name of the King Jesus, I now speak to every affliction and every health condition. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. The decree has gone out of the lips of the King. That it shall no more hurt my people. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every sinus. Anybody suffering from sinus right now. In Jesus' name. I rebuke that sinus in Jesus' name. Every, anybody who has a lung condition. Has breathing problems. While sleeping or snoring problems. In the name of Jesus. It's been removed right now in Jesus' name. If you have a liver condition that is refusing to do its work and working over time and still not producing the fruits, in the name of Jesus, be obedient to the voice of the King right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, we rejoice with the high praises of the Lord in our mouth. We rejoice on our beds and we declare the glory of your King Master. We declare the glory because you have a good opinion about us, O Master. Therefore, our health and our bodies from the top of our head to the soles of our feet, we are healed even before we enter 2018. Father, we receive the wealth of the Gentiles, the glory of the Gentiles, because it has been given to us like a flowing stream. Now, we, David and Lenny, the Lord says, that stream that you have been thinking that is drying up by the brook, Lord says, he is going to take you to a different river. That is going to so overflow you and inundate you that you will have to divert some of that river into other ministries because you will not be able to handle it. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. The shout of the king is in your midst. Oh, hallelujah. Can you hear the shout? Can you hear the shout of the king in your midst? He rejoices over you. He rejoices over you. He is a king who rejoices over you. He rejoices over the kingdom of kings. Hallelujah. Robe in his righteousness forever. Stop fighting his righteousness. Receive it like a gift. From this day onwards. Oh hallelujah. Father we pray for a tremendous spirit of healing into this house. We see healing going forth and replenishing and repairing all things. Oh thank you Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I worship you. Let's just glorify the Lord. Glorify the Lord. Glorify the Lord. Oh, glorify the Lord. George. Oh, hallelujah. Let's just glorify the Lord and let's just sing this song. Just one, just a chorus. Oh, come, let us adore him. Come on, let's just, let's just stand and let's just worship the Lord. Let's just worship our king. Let's just worship our king. Just speak Just, just worship the king. Just remember when you declare worshiping kings, remember your God looks at you as kings. And if you are a king, you are not a poor king. You are a glorified king. You are a king who has all peace flowing towards you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just, just, just the worship. Just as we sing that chorus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you much. Father, we just worship you. We just glorify you. We bless you. Oh, we glorify your name, Master. We worship you, Lord. We thank you for this gift. We thank you for this gift, Master. We thank you for this gift. Thank you for this kingship, Lord. Thank you for being our king, oh, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master.
sing for he alone is worthy 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 Christ the Lord Father we thank you Lord for thank you for this time thank you for your word of master Father, we receive the engrafted word, Lord, gladly. And our Father, pray that it bears much fruit in our lives, O Master. Lord, bless all our gatherings and our fellowship and all our families, O Master. Even the ones who are not here, O Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. You're glorified in our praises. You're glorified in our midst. For you are our King. And you have given us this kingship as a gift. And we cannot earn it. We cannot do anything to merit it. But we thank you for that, O Master. Thank you for this, Master. Bless all the rest of the time and be in our speaking and in our fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master.